0: Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty, your radio show and podcast from California Family Council. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller, CEO and President of CFC. Happy to be with you today on Monday, May 22nd. You know, lots of times we focus on national stories. There's lots going on, obviously, in the world. Uh, Sometimes I think we'd prefer to avoid some of the national stories. So today we're actually going to focus on, I think, some of the most important things happening here in the state of California. And I'm joined to discuss... All of our local happenings with, first off, John Girardi, our in-studio co-host.
1: Good to be here, John. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, John is the executive director of Right to Life of Central California, one of my favorite pro-life organizations in the state and in the whole country. I was In the
1: whole
2: wide world. In the whole
0: world. I was privileged to serve there as executive director myself for six years and before that as youth director. That's how John and I met. But we all are also joined on the phone by a special guest, Camille Rodriguez, who is the California Regional Coordinator for Students for Life of America. Camille, thanks for joining us today.
3: Hello. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having
0: me. Absolutely. Well, one of my favorite things about this show is that we get to bring on people from both around the state and around the country that are really doing great work to advance the issues that we care about here, the sanctity of human life, the importance of family and marriage and the necessity of religious liberty. So, Camille, before we talk about a couple of the key issues that we're dealing with in California relating to the pro-life issue, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Students for Life of America and your work with them here in the Golden State.
3: Sure. So, I'm the California Regional Coordinator. I uh, actually grew up in Colorado, and the first time I got involved with Students for Life was when I was a student at Colorado State University. A couple of friends and I decided that we wanted to invite some pro-life people onto our campus, and in order to do that, we had to have an official club. So we founded the Students for Life group at Colorado State University and then graduated and eventually started working for them. So there are currently 96 Students for Life groups in the state of California, which is amazing. Um, Across the nation, there's about 1,200 Students for Life groups, which is also awesome. We outnumber Planned Parenthood groups. Four to one I believe wow. um, and they just keep growing. So the students are really inspiring and they are very motivated to abolish abortion and let people know that this millennial generation is not going to stand for it. Um, so it's really awesome to work with them and see all of the ways that all of the strides that they're taking to do that.
0: Well that's fantastic. Yeah, I knew that you guys had a large presence here in the state of California. I was talking with your president and our friend Kristen Hawkins a few a mm-hmm. uh, few months ago and she was telling us that despite all the bad press that California gets on the abortion issue and much of it much of it is very well deserved, a lot of people don't know 96 groups in the state of California. That's the most number of students for life groups of any single state in the country, correct?
4: I believe so, yes
0: folks, that's really something to be excited about. It goes to show this is the way that we work to take California back. We we have to start at the grassroots level. We have to start city by city, district by district, college by college. And the mm-hmm. work that Camille and her team are, are doing there with Students for Life is really important because if we're going to educate this next generation, if we're going to make a persuasive and powerful case for the pro-life message, It has to start, obviously, at home, it has to start through our churches, it has to start through high schools, but we really have to make a strong case at the college level as well, because that's where so many students are hearing for the first time, really, about the abortion issue. It's where they're being exposed to the philosophical and the biological arguments, both for and against, and that's why I think Students for Life and Camille are just really a vital, indispensable part of the pro-life movement here in California. But that is why, also, I think Planned Parenthood and their allies realize that, and that's why they have faced so much opposition. (laughs) So, Camille, obviously tell us a little bit. I know there have been two really high profile cases that have happened to Students for Life clubs here in the state of California. We discussed this at length last week, but first off, just give a recap of what happened with your students here at Fresno State University a couple of weeks ago.
3: Yeah, I got an excitable phone call. early in the morning from the president of Present State Students for Life and she said hey I have this professor and his students who are going around erasing our sidewalk chalk he's telling us that we can't do it that we have to do it in the free speech zone but we actually have permits from the school and um, I just followed up with her as far as you know do you have copies of those permits yes we do um, did you go through all of the correct steps with those permits yes we did? Did you follow all of the rules that are in place with those permits? Absolutely. And they did. And this professor took it upon himself because he disagreed with the messaging that himself and his students were going to go and erase the chalk, claiming that it was their free speech right to erase it. And this young girl is just a very spirited leader and was ready to just let him know that this wasn't okay, that he cannot silence their free speech. He can't force them to use their free speech in one small area on campus, and it went from there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's a huge victory to see Bernadette speaking up and talking so strongly. Um, yes. So, Camille, I think John Girardi, he actually knows Bernadette. He had a question
1: for you. Yeah, and uh, Camille, so I, I'm actually an attorney and one of the things I'm, I'm seeing here is, it seems like there's this nationwide trend of liberal college professors and college administrations silencing the speech of mm-hmm. pro-life groups, conservative groups, and we've seen that in two cases in California. Is this happening with more Students for Life groups across the country? And, and how, how disturbing of a trend is this uh, for your Students for Life groups, not, not just in California, but throughout the country?
3: You know, it's, it's really frustrating for myself, for the students. This is something that they are dealing with on a daily basis. And sometimes they don't really know if they can, you know, move forward and pursue a lawsuit or if this is just something that they have to deal with because they're getting to know their campus, they want to be respected, they want to be respectful to the administrators. And sometimes people are taken advantage of when there are, you know, the administrators are in this position of authority. And so they're saying, no, I'm your professor, and you can't do that, when in fact, the students absolutely can. And so I'm glad that Bernadette took this step to stand up for herself and for her group, because it allows other students the opportunity to see that the way they're being treated is not okay, and they can defend themselves. And so I think this is a a really good example for these students to be able to um, stand up for themselves and for their groups and for their beliefs because they are being silenced every single day, whether they're, you know, a life group or conservative group, a religious group. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Right. And it's frustrating because, you know, you had this professor trying to make it out as if, Oh, I'm, I'm expressing my free speech rights by, you know, erasing all of your free speech rights when really it's, this is a government employee a professor at a public university, a government employee, basically telling other students that you cannot eliminating the speech that they've tried to put forward. That's kind of the definition of censorship. It's it's the government telling you you can't write or say something because of the content of what you're saying. I mean, and that's the thing that I think people don't realize just how drastically bad. Uh, this is. that It it isn't just Mm -hmm. professors being rude. It's professors actually taking away your rights under the First Amendment when you're in the context of a public university. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I
0: I think that this is really going to show, again, the importance of groups like Students for Life to, like you said, Camille, I, I appreciated the way you encouraged Bernadette and her team. Be respectful. You know, don't make a scene. But be bold. At the same time, uh, it, it, it's kind of funny, you know. The Washington Post has made a big deal the last couple of weeks. They've changed their uh, they've changed their slogan for the website and for the paper. It says "Democracy dies in darkness." You know, they're making this big deal about yeah, there you go. the news media and everything like that, and the, the importance of standing up and speaking truth to power.
1: As long as it's the right kind of truth being spoken to the right kind of power. As long as it's them yelling at Donald Trump, as opposed to like you know powerless uh, little pro-life students uh, in the face of corrupt administrations who are trying to take away their First Amendment rights.
0: Yeah, but but I think that's why it's so important what you and your team are doing. You're showing the truth of needing to stand up and be respectful for how things go with with the students and making a making a case so we're going to go ahead
3: to stand up and say we went through every single thing that you asked us to do we've done it according to our administration our rules and you are stepping on my rights now and we're not going to stand for that
0: right Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back from break, uh, we're going to ask Camille about one other story, which is the case at Cal State San Marcos. If you're a local listener, uh, you might have heard last week when John Girardi was talking about this case, but we want to make sure to get Camille's take because there's different types of attacks on free speech on campus, and this is another one. So we'll be back here in just a minute. Make sure you stay tuned on AM 1680 The Answer. For myself, for John Girardi, and for Camille Rodriguez here on Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. This is Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today, Monday, May 22nd. We are joined again by Camille Rodriguez from Students for Life of America, the California Regional Coordinator, and uh, we were going to have her on for one segment, but just so much information to talk about, so many attacks on free speech happening across the state that we wanted to make sure that uh, we got her on and had a little bit more discussion time. So Camille, in the last segment we were talking about the attacks on free speech that happened here in Fresno, on the campus of Fresno State University. But you and your team and our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom, we're actually going to be joined in the next segment by an attorney, Tyson Langhofer, from Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, You guys have actually been very busy taking (laughs) the California State University system to task. Tell us a little bit about the second case that was filed just this last week. Uh, with the denial of a request for student fees. And I I know this is another case that you've or a a attack you face across the country. But tell us about what happened to your club there at Cal State San Marcos.
4: So the Students
3: for Life at Cal State San Marcos asked to receive $500 in funding to host Mike Adams on campus. He was going to speak on abortion and human equality. Just to provide a contrasting view, this campus is extremely liberal campus and extremely pro-abortion campus. And so these students have had their work cut out for them all year long, but they have been on campus. They had a debate in the fall. They've, you know, had different displays on campus. And so they decided this spring they wanted to bring Mike Adams to speak on human equality and the university told them that they could not give them any funds for this speaker. And a couple of weeks later, they found out that the campus provided hundreds of dollars to the um, gender equity center to bring in a speaker. And so rather than some, like some groups on this campus specifically, are completely exempt from the standard $500 cap that wow. you know the university told the students that was in place and um and, and when was, you say
0: when you say exempt we're not just talking about the fact that they got you know $500 one time i was looking right. at the lawsuit filed by adf students for life had requested $500 for this speaker and uh-huh. the, the gender equity center had received in total it looked like the lawsuit is is stating over three hundred thousand dollars in state funds for their club and their activities, correct?
3: Yes, it was. I believe for specifically speech and expressive activities, they they were quoted um, having been received two hundred and ninety six. Thousand dollars and some change. Wow! Um, but this, but these students for life couldn't have five hundred dollars wow. to bring in a speaker.
0: Well, so I think <laughs> um, this is unreal. Th- this really goes to show. Uh, John and I talked about this on his show last week. Uh, this goes to show that there is an attack on pro-life speech on campus in two different. Ways the, the number mm-hmm. one way you can silence speech is by literally trying to stamp out. If you if you watch the video, the professor is literally stamping out the message of the pro life students. You know, or scraping away the chalk with his foot. That's one way. Uh, that's at Fresno State, yeah. Uh, but the other way is like we saw at Cal State San Marcos. They can go after fr- uh, speech by refusing to even let the students. Speak in the first place by essentially strangling their opportunities in the crib by refusing to allow a speaker on campus to discuss pro life issues
1: and it's it's sort of the the inequity of it you know when you you look at the First Amendment law as it relates to speech on college campuses, colleges are affording opportunities for free speech activities to all kinds of different clubs to any kind of different student club can register as a student activity with their student activities office all of these different clubs can exist and they all get allocations from their student activities office for a certain amount of money if you're going to say though that if, if you're going to provide a forum like that if you're a public entity if you're a public university and you're going to provide this kind of forum for people to speak you have to treat everyone equitably and you can't be Discriminating against one group or another based on the content of what they say. And that's precisely what's happening, not just at CSU San Marcos, but I know, you know, Students for Life and Alliance Defending Freedom and other organizations are dealing with this issue uh, all over the country at different public universities. So the requirements on public universities are much higher and more stringent than, say, at a private school. At a private school, you can tell people to buzz off and it doesn't matter. But at a public university, you're dealing with public trust, public money, and there's an obligation to follow the First Amendment of the Constitution. Camille, and these
3: students are frustrated because you know their student fees are paying for a lot of these things that right, they don't right. agree with, and so they're beginning to feel like this is an infringement upon my rights, like my fiscal freedom. They're getting frustrated.
0: Absolutely. Well, Camille, we're just about out of time for this segment, but I wanted to make sure that you guys have a very important event coming up tomorrow on Tuesday, the 23rd, in Chino Hills, and, uh, or in Chino, at the offices of State Senator Connie Leva. Tell us about that event uh, on Tuesday, the 23rd.
3: We do. So we have students from across Southern California who are planning on meeting at Ms. Leva's Chino office. At 10.30 tomorrow, we will be rallying together to show our opposition to the bill, SB 320, which, as presented, would force public health centers on campuses to provide the abortion pill three days a week, and um, it would be paid for by student fees. And so this is dangerous for students. Um, They're not providing emergency care this is coming out of student fees. So once again, they're feeling like their fiscal freedom is being infringed upon, their religious religious freedoms are being infringed upon. So we're going to go to her office um, tomorrow at 1030 to present letters of opposition from all of these students to the representatives. And we will rally in front to let them know that we're not going to stand for this. And even though this bill is a two-year bill, um, we don't want it to last much longer than the end of this month. (laughs) So everybody is welcome to join us there, and we would love to see as much pro-life support as we can get.
0: Well, folks, I encourage you, go to the website for... California Family Council, and we will have details about this posted. Information about the rally will be posted uh, here on our website today, and you can find out more. Camille, if people want to email you and find out more about what you're doing, what is the best website, or excuse me, the best email address or Twitter account for them to follow you and contact you?
3: Yes, yeah, so my email is Rodriguez at studentsforlife.org. So it's my first initial and my last name at studentsforlife.org. And you're welcome to email me, send me questions, inquisitions, whatever <laughs> whatever
0: you prefer. Awesome. Well, Camille, we thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being with us today. And uh, folks, when we come back here, we're going to also have a other special guest. We're going to keep our streak going of Alliance Defending Freedom Attorneys at about, I think, seven in a row. This is uh, wow. going to be the attorney Tyson Langhofer from Alliance Defending Freedom, and he's going to be with us in the next segment and we encourage you to keep listening here and if you have other questions you can always as we said go to our website californiafamily.org and we encourage camille to keep up the good fight thank you camille for being with us today thank you for bringing those students out to connie leva's office tomorrow and yeah one of our favorite partners across the country and across the state so we'll be back in just a minute here on life family liberty on am 1680 the answer Family Liberty, a podcast and a radio show of California Family Council. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller, joined in studio by my friend John Girardi from Right to Life of Central California.
1: Good to be here, John.
0: And joined on the phone uh, for the seventh week in a row, uh, keeping the streak alive with our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, Tyson Langhofer. Very happy to have Tyson with us. Uh, Tyson, as I was telling you before you came on, we're excited to have such great national friends and allies in ADF, and it's been great to hear from many of your colleagues. We've had issues related to the the, uh, playground case with Eric Stanley and Christiana Holcomb. We've had Caleb Dalton talking about the work that he's doing and being admitted to the Supreme Court. And then last week and this week, we got to hear you and your ally Casey Maddox talking about threats to college campuses from the progressive left so thanks for joining us today
2: absolutely thanks for having us
0: so real quick just since it's your first time on the show tell us a little bit about your bio uh where you're from and how long you've been involved with adf
2: Absolutely. Well, I've been uh, officially employed by ADF for about two years. Um, I was in private practice for 15 years in Wichita, Kansas. I was uh, oh. did uh, commercial litigation uh, with Stinson Leonard Street there, but I, I've been an allied attorney since 2000. I've had a real passion for the First Amendment um, issues, and I, I went to Regent University and, and worked with the American Center for Law and Justice while I was there. So awesome. uh, my entire legal career, I've, I've had a passion for this and I've worked for this, but I've been doing it full-time for the last two years.
0: Awesome. Well, we have a, a Wichita Connection. My my mom grew up in Valley Center, and I was born at Sedgwick County General Hospital. So.
2: Oh wow! Yeah, we do.
0: It's very cool. Well, yeah, I I, I don't want to bore everybody with our Midwest connections too much, though. So, yeah. tell us Gosh. a little bit. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about the work that you are doing alongside Casey Maddox there at the Center for Academic Freedom. I know you've been suing campuses left and right across the country because they just. Despite how many victories you guys keep winning, they can't seem to get it through their head that free speech means free speech for everybody, even here in deep blue California.
2: Yeah, you know, there. Uh, I mean, there's good news and bad news. I mean, the, the bad news is that that there are consistent and continuous attacks on free speech at public universities across the country, from California to New York. Uh, and, and that's the bad news. But the good news is that when we challenge these laws, we prevail. And that's because uh, the First Amendment is very clear, you know, that, that that colleges are supposed to be the marketplace of ideas. And the, and the cornerstone of higher education, really, is the ability to freely participate in that marketplace of ideas on campus. And when we get, you know, our cases in front of the court, I mean, consistently, they recognize recognize the rights of students to be able to participate in that marketplace and to be able to freely engage each other um, you know, on, on important topics.
1: Yeah, Tyson, this is John Girardi. Now, I'm also an attorney, and I thought it might be helpful for listeners. You mentioned how this is a problem at public universities throughout the country, and I thought it would be helpful maybe to explain to our listeners, what are the different obligations that public universities have to respect the rights of students' free speech as opposed to private universities?
2: Absolutely. That's a good good question, one we get all the time. So the First Amendment restricts the government from imposing um, restrictions on individuals' free speech. And so as arms of the government, public universities are bound by the First Amendment, and the Supreme Court has has held that countless times, that these obligations that the First Amendment has not to interfere with or not to impose restrictions on free speech applies to public universities. Now, that that differs than a private university. A private university has the right, under the First Amendment also, to to associate um, with Individuals that they want to associate with, and they also have the right to speak freely as a private association and to speak only the messages that they want. And so, the bottom line is that that the First Amendment does not impose obligations on private universities, but it does impose the the, the you know the obligations on a, a public university. Now, what are some of the
1: chief ways in which you're seeing public universities silence uh, the speech rights of students? Is it more – I mean, in, in here in Fresno, we saw a very dramatic case of commission, of a professor literally stamping out uh, the free expression of, of their students. But what is the most common way in which universities sort of manipulate the free speech rights of their students?
2: yeah i think um i think the the probably the most common way is through uh, these speech codes or speech um, uh, policies which either Limit some individual to a you know to a, a speech zone uh, and say you can only exercise your rights in this speech zone, or you you know we are not going to allow you to exercise your right through a speech code by saying you can't speak these words. Just like the Fresno State professor, he basically said, "I don't like your viewpoint, and because of that, I'm going to I'm not going to allow you to express your viewpoint like I would somebody whose viewpoint I agree with." And so those are the the most common, um, but and kind of the ones that we see most frequently, primarily because they're, you know they 're easy to document with this you know a video or, or showing you know, hey, here this is how that's happening, but what 's happening in cal state San marcos is is very frequent also and it's it's very common um, but it 's a little bit more uh, difficult to um, recognize, and so people aren't aware of that as much
0: i'm glad that you guys are talking about this because uh, again it 's something that a lot of People I talk to, they don't realize how advanced and how insidious these these regulations are. They really use it as a way to stifle free speech, and they use it as a way to cut off debate before it even
2: begins. Absolutely, you know that, and that's what's happening here. I mean, essentially, what what universities are doing, and you know, with, with the high the rising cost of education, these the student activity fees is a way that universities um, use to impose. Um, their, their viewpoint on these students and essentially what student activity fees are, they're a separate fee that universities charge, uh, and they're designed to fund student speech, to fund um, student organization speech, and to create a what, what's supposed to be a marketplace of ideas. But unfortunately, what we're seeing is that these uh, universities are taking these activity fees and they're funding uh, primarily or favoring one viewpoint over all the others. And What most people don't understand about the First Amendment is that not only can the government not stop you from speaking because of your viewpoint, but they cannot compel you to speak. And essentially what the, the universities are doing here is they're f- forcing students in order to be a, a uh, student at the university, you have to pay this activity fee, and it's going to fund speech of organizations that these students disagree with. Now, the Supreme Court has said uh, very clearly in Southworth back in 2000 that if a university is going to compel students to speak, they can only do it under a viewpoint neutral policy. In other words, they have to fund all viewpoints on the same basis. And the, the problem at Cal State San Marcos is they're requiring students to pay these uh, student activity fees under a policy that is not viewpoint neutral and that favors one viewpoint over all others.
0: Well, Tyson, this is, I think, very instructive for our listeners, and I'm glad that we're going to have it here on our podcast. So real quick, as we're just about to leave here, we've got 30 seconds left. Tell people where people can go online to find your information about ADF, maybe your Twitter handle or any of your other professional work.
2: Sure, go to adflegal.org, adflegal.org, and it has all the information about us, our organization, and about this case.
0: Awesome. And I know you're not quite as prolific as Casey Maddox is on Twitter, but that's okay. You, you still publish <laughs> some great stuff over there. So Tyson Langhofer from Alliance Defending Freedom, thank you so much for your work defending students and the pro-life issue out here in the state of California. Folks, we'll be back in just a minute on Life, Family, Liberty. Thanks again for joining us today on Life, Family, Liberty, a podcast and radio show from California Family Council. Man, it's been a jam-packed show today. We've had great people no, speaking.
1: Our, your third guest, Jonathan. Third, this is fantastic. Third and, guest. and the biggest
0: get of them all. Absolutely. yeah. We're very excited to actually have our first assembly member from the California State Assembly joining us, uh, Melissa Melendez. Assembly member Melendez represents the 67th District down in western Riverside County. Assembly member, thank you so much for joining us today.
4: Oh, my pleasure! Thank you very much for having me.
0: You obviously have a very impressive bio. I know you are a native of Ohio, Youngstown, Ohio, like our friend and uh, radio uh, brother Hugh Hewitt. And obviously, you also went. You have a California connection, coming from Ohio to the Defense Language Institute in Monterey. And I'd love to talk to you if we had time about your experience becoming a Russian language speaker and then working and serving in Desert Storm, Desert Shield, but. That'll have to wait for next time because we've got a short segment today, and I want to make sure you can talk about the threats to religious liberty and threats to student free speech on campus. So tell us a little bit first just about yourself, how you got involved in the legislature, and then why this issue of student free speech on
4: campus is so important to you. Well, I was sort of drafted into this position in politics, I will tell you that. It was not on my bucket list, Um, but I was asked to run, and they were very convincing. So here I am in the legislature. This is my fifth year. You know, this whole freedom of speech issue sort of has come to a head, I think, in California Because we've had so many incidents, right, with UC Berkeley, with UC Davis, with Pierce Community College in L.A. And most recently, Orange Coast Community College has um, an instructor who is having some women's history events. And she has banned Republican students from attending her meetings. And, you know, it's it's. It's really a struggle to understand why at institutions of higher learning, where you are supposed to be subjected to different points of view, and you you get all these different ideas, you soak it in, and you make your own determination as a young adult, at least that's what they're supposed to be doing, that's quite the opposite of what's taking place at a lot of college campuses in California. So because of that, because the schools aren't protecting free speech, I decided to introduce a constitutional amendment, which is ACA 14, which very clearly outlines what campus administrators are responsible for with respect to free speech. So they would have to have an official policy uh, regarding protecting the free speech rights of students and faculty. They would have to have a disciplinary plan in place for those who infringe upon the free speech rights. And when I say infringe, I don't mean, you know, protest. I don't mean speak out against. I mean. Physically assault people who are trying to attend these speeches by speakers who have been invited to the campus. By the way, um, people who are you know breaking windows, starting fires, things like that. That is infringing upon it. Protesting is not. Protesting is part of the, the fabric of our culture, and and we want you know that to continue. But it's got to be peaceful. And you can't pe- can't keep people from hearing an alternate point of view.
0: Absolutely. And I think this is absolutely important for Californians to understand that even in a blue state, even in a big state like us that, you know, not to get too political, but we've seen some members of the State Assembly and the State Senate speak out very forcefully and aggressively against the current occupant of the White House. Despite whoever is occupying the White House, the First Amendment is still in effect, even in California, correct?
4: It is. And the First Amendment is apolitical. Right. I mean, this has nothing to do with whatever your political party is. This is about the the freedom, thank God that we have that in this country, the freedom to, to speak your mind, to speak out and criticize your government, to express your point of view. doesn't mean everyone has to agree with it, but we certainly have the right to do so. And I think when we're talking about colleges and universities, what people have to keep in mind is that this attack on free speech, it it has longer lasting effects than I think people realize when a young adult is going to, you know, get a degree in social work or psychology, medicine, education, if they're learning now that if you don't like someone's point of view, if you don't agree with it, that the right thing to do is to shut them down or not listen to them or keep other people from listening to them, then how does that affect their area of study? Mm. So if, you know, there's more than one way to treat diabetes, right? But if you've decided that it's only this way, and that's the only way you're going to do it. Well, when you become a physician, all of your patients are going to suffer because of that, or someone who's suffering from PTSD or sexual assault or, you know, pick something. I mean, it's, this has far-reaching effects that I think people aren't thinking about, and this, we, can't, we can't allow this to happen in our universities because I guarantee you it's going to have an effect on the way these young adults view life and how they eventually do their jobs. <laughs>
1: Assemblymember Menen- uh, Melendez, this is John Girardi. I'm I'm the director of Right to Life of Central California, and I, I wanted to ask you, obviously there's existing law to help with the situations I'm going to raise, uh, like the First Amendment, obviously, but does your legislation, through encouraging stronger policies, First Amendment policies on our public university campuses, would these be helpful in addressing the problems of uh, inequality as far as you know what we're seeing in a lot of california california universities like at csu san marcos is uh, conservative clubs being denied student funding for their speech activities while more liberal clubs are receiving tons of funding to advance their viewpoints and the mm-hmm. students pay for these you know student activities fees so th- th- there's a kind of compelled speech uh, aspect to that most of the focus in california has been on people actively shutting down free speech. Do you think your legislation could help this issue of sort of passively restricting free speech through refusing student funding?
4: Um, I think it can because, you know, the, the ways that they are suppressing free speech come in many forms. This constitutional amendment does say that the the colleges have to remain neutral on issues of public controversy so that they encourage the widest possible range of public opinion and that if the colleges don't comply, they can be ineligible for state funding. That generally seems to motivate people when when it comes to money. Um, I think colleges and universities, they like the funding that they get. They certainly don't want to lose any. And if they run the risk of losing that funding, And I think perhaps they may rethink how they treat different clubs and groups on campuses who want to have the opportunity to express their opinion.
0: Well, Assemblymember Melendez, we really, really appreciate you being with us today. What is the website where people can go, whether they're your constituents or not, and just find out more about ACA 14 and the other work you're doing?
4: Well, I have a couple of different ways they can reach me. There's Melendez melendezforca.com, which they can go to. They can also go to, um, they can find me on Twitter, ASM Melendez. They can find me on Facebook under Public Official, Melissa Melendez. There's lots of different ways to find me. If all else fails, they can go to the State Assembly website. They have all the members listed there they can click on my name and be taken uh, to my website. Awesome. many, many ways to find me.
0: That's awesome. Well, Assembly Member, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate thank it.
4: Thank you very much, guys.
0: God bless. Keep up the great work that you're doing. God bless you and your family, and look forward to having you on again in the future. Uh, but, folks, we'll be back in just a minute here to wrap things up on this episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Thanks again for your listening in today on this episode of Life Family Liberty from California Family Council. Man, what a jam-packed show. That was jam-packed. Jeez, you had three guests, and you're putting me to shame, John. <laughs> well, we've got, man, lots of lots going on across the state, and I'm very grateful for our guest today. Camille Rodriguez from Students for Life of America, the California regional coordinator. Then we had Tyson Langhofer, attorney from Alliance Defending Freedom, calling in from Scottsdale, Arizona, and their headquarters. And we rounded it up with Melissa Melendez, Assembly Member for the 67th Assembly District. And man, she was just great, John. We need to she get was. her back yeah. on the show. So. Absolutely. And I am just really grateful that we have. People working to defend the religious liberty rights of students, the freedom of speech, and the importance of the pro-life message here in California. Uh, Folks, we just encourage you to go to our website, CaliforniaFamily.org, to find out more. John, what's the best website, as always, for you?
1: Yeah, uh, to follow the work of Right to Life of Central California, our educational initiatives, go to RightToLifeCA.org. That's our new website. It looks a lot better. Uh, If you ever want me to speak on issues relating to the pro-life Question in on politics and public policy, whatever. Uh, just give us a call at 229-2229 Folks, you can again always find us at CaliforniaFamily dot
0: org. We are also on Twitter at CA Family. I am on Twitter at Jonathan Keller. And make sure to share this podcast with your friends. We. Need your your help? Well, that's true. Everybody (laughs) needs to hear Life, Family, Liberty. (laughs) Go to our website, also lifefamilyliberty.net, to share it directly. You can also subscribe, leave us a review on either iTunes or Google Play. Uh, We appreciate you helping get the word out, especially when we've got such jam packed speakers. We'll be with you next week on Life, Family, Liberty.